Luck on Sunday. Brought to you by Whirlpool. Bet with the world. Here you go then. Quite a bit to get through in this week's Talking Points. Charlotte Jones, Jimmy Moffat, David Yates from the Daily Mirror. Here we go then. What is first? The Mullins 8. 8 grade ones, 8 wins for Willie Mullins, exceeding perhaps even his own expectations. Not all the results we expected, David Yates, out of the Dublin Racing Festival. Did it take away from the, uh, the joy of the event or not, in your mind? Uh, being brutally honest, it took a, away some of the interest for me, yeah. Um, I don't... Uh, have any personal slight against Willie Mullins. He's, he's the master of his trade and he's risen to a position where he's able to field 29 runners of uh, the 48 in those eight, eight grade ones. As a journalist who writes about the sport and uh, an integral part of that is human interest, well, it's obviously more interesting to interview Jimmy Moffat and Charlotte Jones after winning a big race than it is a trainer who's won, you know, if we take the eighth grade one out of it, if you go up to Willie Mullins after the seventh and say, lazy journalist question, but how do you feel? Mm. He's going to say, well, pretty much the same as well, for the last six. Hopefully he'll say, think of some better questions sure. next time. OK, OK. All right. And from the mirror. Right, OK. That was a silly thing to say. <laughs> People say, oh, well, if you can't think of anything better to say than But I, I, think, him. We, I think but everyone knows you take my you're driving point. at. Um, totally. And so, yeah, I, I do think it's, it, it renders the sport much, much greyer, of course. I think the other point is that you need something an, uh, for, for, for people to want to bet on. Jimmy, did you watch last weekend and yeah. did you enjoy it? Um, yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's Willie's got himself in a great position. He's got some all those wonderful horses, um, eight grade ones. I did a read, a, I think an article, Richard Forrestal said he felt there's far too many grade ones in Ireland and... Willie has all the best, a lot of, most of the best horses, and he's able to separate those horses. And wouldn't it be interesting if there was less grade ones where they had to take each other on a little more? But he seemed to be doing that anyway because there was two or three in each race. So yeah, but it's 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 there's some there's some wonderful, fantastic trainers in Ireland as we all know, and it just seems um, a little little sad that they're all going to Willie. Let's talk about the Caldwell sale because. Love has been spread a little bit this week. This is the Andy and Gemma Brown dispersal sale that was uh, triggered at very late notice. There were 27 lots and they realised a huge amount of money. Here are the top lots. Caldwell Potter made €740,000, has gone to Paul Nichols. Uh, probably won't run at Cheltenham. Field Door stays in the yard, 620000 Pied Piper, likewise, 570. A lot of different owners here as well, even though the majority went back to Cullen Trust. Staffordshire Knott made 510000 He's still in the Supreme Novices Hurdle. Mighty Bandit has gone to Warren Greatrex, a couple for him. Two high-profile lots went to Harry Derham, including Imagine. Um, for whom Connections paid 320000 So, lots to take out of this. And um, a little bit of spreading of the love that I didn't expect, um, Charlotte, because some trainers, Warren Greatrex, Harry Derham and others, getting horses for big money. And there's, there's clearly a lot of money out there still to be spent. I mean, clearly, like, it's one of those, isn't it? I mean, for me... I, would, if, I mean, if I had them that kind of cash, I wouldn't really be looking at it as an investment putting into horses. But it's more for the fun of the sport, which mm. I think is brilliant. Obviously, 
we are a sport who are second behind football in, in the country and things in terms of the wealth. So it's good that the money is being put in back into the horses and things like that. Um, and at the end of the day, if, if people have got the money to spend, go for it. So the idea that, oh, hang on a minute, that's just too much money to spend for a gelding that has no residual value. You're like, well, these are people who got the disposable income, spend it how they want to spend it. Well, that's it. I mean... I wouldn't like someone to question me spending my money on shoes and, and things like that. But at the same time, if if that's what they want to spend it on, then then why should, why not? And I mean, obviously, for these trainers who are who are getting these horses, then how like how great is it to have a horse like that and something so special, be able to walk through the yard? When you're out there just getting on with your your job, do you have any? Um concern for what horses have cost or anything like that does it even cross your mind i mean obviously it has to to an extent like it does have to to an extent because you, you know everything we have to be reminded that all of these horses that we're riding and looking after are being paid for they are someone's horse that is somebody's horse which they're paying good money for i mean whether or not it's a cheap horse an expensive horse they are all st still paying the same training fees so you do have to look at, look after them all with the same kind of care that wouldn't go into it but you know you you just have to everything we do is about keeping these animals in one piece mm. and some of them are easier to keep in one piece than others um some of them help you along the way but for me as a jockey riding them well i just want to win races i don't i don't mind what what it's on i just want to win races and some quite interesting signs there from that sale just quickly dave on as i said a couple to warren graves a couple to harry derham Plenty of people having a go as well. I know Noel Feely was having a go at a few. John Joe Neal was having a go at a few. More owners than you think are capable of spending half a million quid. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that is, you know, looking at uh, the different directions that some of those horses are going in, personally, I, I see that as a, as a positive thing. Uh, I, thought, I thought Gordon Elliott um, was taking it all pretty well, considering he lost one of the highest-profile horses in his yard um, to... To Paul Nichols, he said he was tired, but you know he he got most of them back, and his his staff did a great job in producing these horses as well. We're going to talk about him now. He's got 26 of the 94 Grand National entries. Um, talked to him earlier in the week about the idea that you know there might be a cap on them in future. The BHA looked at it this year. They didn't put it in. They didn't completely take it out of the mix in in future. Uh, Jimmy, you're someone who's had a fancied runner in the Grand National Highland Lodge. Um, a, a few years ago. What, what do you think about, um, with, with now 34 runners, a huge proportion of them coming from one or two stables? I can only speak from my own experience. I, I've had, um, been looking at it, I've had three runners in the Grand National and I've entered six times and three times they've got balloted out and three times we've, we've got in over different years. Um, none of those horses would now get in down to the 34 limit, mm -hmm. which it's always known as the people's race. It possibly takes something away when you haven't got variation in the race. Um, I personally would like to see a lot of individual trainers being in the race, and I would be in favour of the, 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 the four uh, limited... You'd be in favour of a cap? I'd be in favour of a cap of four runners, yeah, for, per, per trainer. Yeah, because I think, as Paul Nichols said, it sort of, it's not really in the spirit of the race, blanket entries. That's just my opinion, but... Um, uh, Gordon Elliott's opinion, he, he makes a very good case. Yep. I'm doing my best for every single owner of every single horse. I've worked really hard to get where I've got, he said, which he has. He started with absolutely nothing. Uh, he's grafted to get where he has. He owes it to every owner and every horse in that yard, and a lot of them are fully credentialed, Dave. And he, he actually said in an interview with me earlier this week, I am fed up with all these chippy comments 
I'm hearing from other trainers. What do you make of that? I personally don't like the idea of the cap. Um, I think that on the one hand... Um, you, you made a very good analogy to me earlier on. Well, it wasn't that good an analogy. I mean, I said I felt like a, a Catholic priest talking about birth control, where part of you thinks, yeah, this, this will help the race in the short term. That's the cap, not the birth mm -hmm. control. Um, but, but in my heart of hearts, I, can't, I, I, I cannot um, agree that... Uh, that a race like the Grand National or indeed the Derby or those, any of those marquee races should be anything but an open race. But th there is a, 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 another side to this, and of course that is that I don't think this cat treats the, 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 the real issue at the core of what's, um, uh, what's troubling British racing. I think it's a bit like a, a, a bloke going to the doctor with a chronic disease and he gets treatment for a, a spot on the end of his nose. You know, I, I, I don't think it's, it's... It gets to the heart of the root. It, it doesn't get to the root of the okay. cause. Um, Monbeg Genius, who is currently amongst the favourites for the Randolph's Grand National, will be allowed to run should Connections so choose, because even though he is owned by uh, Doug Barryman and Michelle Moan, or a partnership that... Um, includes uh, Baroness Moan and Doug Barrowman. Uh, he is not part of assets that have been frozen. Is that right? You've been across the story? Uh, you, yes, it's, it's, it's definitely... Th there are two aspects to this. The, let's deal with the nuts and bolts first. Um, there is a, um, a National Crime Agency investigation into the PPE that was sold by Medipro, the company uh, owned by uh, Doug Barrowman and Michelle Moan, yeah. uh, and that... Essentially, that was faulty, and thereby, the money gained was uh, was gained fraudulently. Um, as a as a uh, as this investigation um, is undergoing, uh, seventy five million pounds worth of uh, the Moan Barrowman assets were seized, including fifteen bank accounts, uh, a six bedroom house in uh, Belgravia, and an estate on the Isle of Man. Now, the question was, is Monbeg mm. Genius part of uh, the, the, the front And the answer masses? has been and no. It, it emerges that the answer is The no. important question is, if this horse goes and wins the Grand National, owned by Doug Barrowman and Michelle Moan, the papers are going to have a field day, aren't they, Jimmy? Well, then the charge, if the charge, it's, it's, it's not going to reflect on racing very well, is it? I mean... You can you can you can see the headlines now, can't you? You can see the, you can I can visualise as we discuss this the uh, picture on the front page of Sunday's papers with the couple holding the uh, the, the trophy mm. aloft. Uh, maybe and maybe the senior steward of the jockey club in there as well, <laughs> who it. may have who may have been in the headlines during the COVID yeah. pandemic. It's it's. It's a it's an understatement, an extreme understatement. This is a disaster. It's, it's going waiting to, to be happen. A very bad look uh, for racing and the Grand National. Uh, and Charlotte, you would have you would be better keyed in to how racing appears to a to a broader cross section of society, perhaps, than any of the rest of us. You surely must see the see the impending sense of of danger here. Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those, isn't it? But for me, I think it. I would say then it's about the BHA controlling who and what has the runners. I mean, obviously, I'm a licensed jockey. If I did something wrong, my licence would be suspended. So, for me, I think maybe it's in their hands to, to look at. Yeah, and I'm sure it's something that is causing them a sleepless night. And, and you know, there may well be further news on this when the 
probably probably not by mid-April, maybe, but as the um, National Crime um, Agency investigation progresses, there, there may be further developments. Uh, Jimmy um, wanted to talk a little bit about premierisation, and we're now into week... What are we? Week six of premierisation? I mean, tangibly, has anybody noticed the difference? I don't think there's... I don't think it's been... <coughs> We're not very far into it, are we? Yet? No. And, and the ground's been bad. We've lost lots of meetings. But we yabbered away about it for two weeks. Yeah. Completely forgot about it. Yeah. And now it's move on, on to another day. That, that's, that's the thing. We've almost forgotten about it. I don't, I don't know whether it's... You know, the start was a, a soft start, I think. Yeah, soft right? launch, yeah. It's a soft start. But um, I think these... The £100,000 handicaps on the Saturday... I'm talking about jumps here, obviously... Um, Great idea. They fill up, don't they? And uh, I think the bottom horse in the uh, the uh, Betfair hurdle yesterday was 115. So it gives people a chance. It gives people a chance from every end of, of racing to, to to have a go. More concerning would me the the great the two great twos yesterday. Those fields have been stagnant for years, four and five runners, and we threw another 30 grand at it or whatever in each race, and it hasn't attracted any more runners. So, whether we have less graded races and force those horses in together again, um, and maybe have more very valuable handicaps, which, uh, you know, I think... I, my worry about the premierisation of racing is, is from sort of the, the small northern yard, uh, northern jumping yard. I think it accounts... Small jumping yards account for a, a quite a big section of... Of, of the racing trainers population and we've all got to get owners into the yard and when the, the minimum values are, are set lower again you're almost feeling like you're hacking at the bottom of the tree to put foliage on the top in some respects and so it's been a worry for me and a worry for my owners and I'd be interested from your perspective Charlotte as well how that trickles down to, to your role and the extent to which you are actually able to make a meaningful living from your job at the moment well, this is it. I mean, it's opportunity, isn't it? I mean, isn't it? I mean, I'm really grateful, obviously, to Jimmy and the owners for the the horses I have to ride. But for me, I mean, without working in the yard, well, I, I've got a first class degree. I'd go and do another job. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Just being a, a jockey alone, I, I, there's not much. There probably, if it wasn't for riding horses and the love of and passion for what I do, obviously, like I say, I work in the yard as well. So that's that's great. Um, but the opportunity needs to be out there. And, and I, I do agree with Jimmy in the sense that there probably does need to be less graded races because when you're getting four and five runner fields, I mean, it's boring, isn't it? It's boring to watch, um, I think. So if if the higher races were more competitive and the hand, them premierised handicaps, it gives more people opportunity and, and something to be able to go at. Like, for us to be able to have them two winners that we had yeah. at Aintree and two runners on Aintree, the whole yard was buzzing. It was brilliant to be able to be going to Aintree with a competitive chance um, on Boxing Day. It was great, and, and that's what it's all about. And obviously, the people at the top, brilliant, happy days, but you need to sort of feather the people lower down as well. But without taking away anything, like, kind of competitive-wise from the top level, you don't want to... You don't want to Sort of dilute it, it yeah, really. dilute it because at the end of the day, we still want the the top level to be very competitive because that's what we do it for. I think oh. the flats are a different animal altogether. To yeah. be honest with you, but, yeah. And uh, how many flat horses would you? 
up. Well, we actually didn't have a runner on the flat last year. Did you not have I, at all? I, no, Do you I, normally have a... I, I thought I peaked in about 2009 <laughs> at, at York, I think it was, with a horse no, called... No, no, don't remind Mudderwin. me Mudderwin. Mudderwin, a lovely horse. Oh, the Eagle, dear, oh, dear. I think it was a grey horse we... Was it a grey horse, was it? What was no. It? Just got up and... I can't believe you brought this up. Just so, done him on the line, and, and the, uh, a, the guy who owned it was a, was a lovely young man who interviewed me afterwards, and he, he held it together really, really well. You know, this really is well. horrible. This no, is horrible. You know, I, no. Oh, this was the great Hawk yeah. Mountain who got chinned by Jimmy's oh. Mudderwin. You managed to get hold of an Ebor winner, yeah. but you'd managed to get down the weights a stone and a half. Well, we were on the up, well, trying in every three, race. I'd only run him three. We were on the up, trying in every race. Hit the fr I ran him three hit the times. Didn't get him down a stone and a half. I ran him three times. But yeah, <laughs> it, we just, yeah, it was a great day. Yeah, it was a great yeah. day. And yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. lives long in the memory that. Yeah, yeah, and in mine as well. <laughs> I've yeah. actually got a picture of it at home. Have you? I got a picture of being chinned by you. Uh, well, we've got a picture at home as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 Mine's in the you loo. Yours the is probably over the mantelpiece. Consummate professional. Right. <laughs> Newcastle. Oh, feels like a long time ago. Um, Newcastle was uh, the final race was scheduled uh, to take place over 10 furlongs. There are no floodlights taking you around the full 10 furlongs of, of Newcastle. And it was scheduled to take place at five past five, was it, AT? Yes, it was 5.05. Yeah, so that was scheduled for the dark. Thursday, yes. Yeah. So they, um, had to, they had to postpone that. It was, it was, it was an egg-on-face moment. It was. AHA, uh, wasn't it? Seven minutes after um, lighting up time or whatever you want to call it. Um, so that the, the 10 furlong race, the first six furlongs of it would have been run in low light because obviously the... The, the final four furlongs of the straight at Newcastle would um, would be covered by the floodlights. Um, yeah, this was a, a it was a an egg on face moment for uh, for race planning. It, it's a mistake, of course, and we all make mistakes, you know. But this is surely something that that should be ironed out. You know, we are in um, at the beginning of, uh, of February. After all, we know that the the nights are still drawing in, and. Uh, obviously, that for, for Gold Aura, um, Jack Jones had... Um, uh, the Newmarket trainer has one horse box. He had a, a runner at Lingfield and a runner at Newcastle, so the yards box drove Gold Aura past Doncaster to Newcastle. They, they didn't hear, I don't think, until close to 11am. I think it was after 10.40. And they had to hire and fetch and then drive... The box to Lingfield, yeah. so it, it, it is a you know it, it's a it's a quirky little you know uh, cock up story in your red top tabloids, but it, it, it is costly for uh, yards. That but it, is it in the heads should roll category though? Because you get you get all this, Tony. Uh, I mean, isn't it? Someone's just made a mistake. I, I think it's reasonable to compensate, um, or, or to go to some way to compensate, whether that be the racecourse who who actually holding the fixture and didn't pick up on it or. Uh, the BHA, but um, yeah, it's a shame that they've gone to that much expense. That, that, you know, the people who've travelled there. Having just int introduced that red top tabloid sort of language, I, let me just say I don't believe heads should roll over that. I think mm. it's the modern way, particularly of social media, just that anyone makes a fired, mistake. Yeah. They yeah. must fired, pay for this with a job, and I think that's absolute yeah. nonsense. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. I agree. Twenty sixth of Feb, the parliamentary debate. Uh, on affordability checks. We're getting to a pretty crucial stage. We're going to be talking to St Helens MP Conor McGinn in, in a few moments' time. Uh, earlier in the week, 
um, several trainers, most notably Jed O'Keefe, stressed to MPs exactly how critical the situation was from a, from a business point of view if the impact of affordability checks was felt any further. Is this something that in your day-to-day -day lives you are considering? Do you, are you considering the wider political landscape of the sport? For me personally, no. I, <laughs> I'm pretty blinkered in riding horses, riding winners, improving my riding. Um, so, yeah, obviously I understand the impact it can make. The punters are the bread and butter of our sport and they're what keep our sport as, sort of as high as it is and the interest in it. So I totally understand and... You know, I think, again, going back to almost to do with the Caldwell sale, if people have got that money, who who are the government to tell people where to spend it? And in terms of sort of the £100, I mean, people will lose £100 straight, like, straight away in one bet. So it's not, it's not really... I don't think that's really enough to, to be commenting where people are putting their money, especially if it's hard work for... And at the end of the day, we're, everybody's adults. If you can't, like... If you, it's on you, isn't it, if you're mm. going to get into that kind of problem, so... I'm thinking of you know, your life in horses as well, your life as part of a rural community, a smallish rural community in a part of um, the, the UK that the government purports to want to support, trying to get the message through to them that actually here you've got really important communities, horses as part of the, that community's fabric, and that being threatened if these checks come through. Well, I mean, people are one minute, they'll look at, at welfare in terms of the Grand National, but where are these same people who are talking about welfare if if racing had to if racing had to stop or or obviously had to be sort of died down a little bit well what's going to happen to all them race horses do you know what i mean if things like that happen well racing racing is is good for for what we do it's good for the care of horses it, it, you know we we've put a lot of care into them so i don't think that in terms of um people sort of stopping the punters and whatnot that is a big part of the sport. And, Jimmy, as an employer as well, mm. and as an important and valuable employer and, a, you know, a, a vital part of the, the, the community. Look, I mean, if, if... My worry is that this, this the directive is set by the government. I'm, I, they just seem to be going headlong and, you know, they're not listening to, to the racing... You know, the racing fraternity. If it comes to pass... Um, you know, there's there's an awful lot of trainers that are going to go bust, aren't they? You know that. Have you told this to your MP? Well, look, I mean, I'm, I'm liaising a little bit with David Robinson and and, and Tim Farron, um, and a, a few emails have come and gone, but um, it didn't seem to be getting anywhere, to quite honestly. Um, so um, it was interesting that David had mentioned that the national lottery. Um, I think that's about three percent of people have problem gambling with that, and it's about the same with horse racing. But that isn't front and centre for the government. They get about twelve percent tax on that, apparently. So, so yeah, um, no, it's, it's it's hugely worrying for the sport, and let's hope that uh, common sense prevails. We're going to speak some more about that in a few moments' time when we're joined by the St Helens MP, Conor McGinn. But those were this week's talking points. Luck on Sunday, brought to you by Whirlpool. Bet with the world.